What's up, everybody? How you doing? This is Isaac Curry. Come on in. Grab a seat. Cop a squat. Wherever you are in the entire world, in the United States, we don't care where you are. Come on. Pull up a seat. Do me a favor. Tag a friend. Tag a neighbor. Text an enemy. I don't care. Get the word out and let everyone know Therapy Thursdays is in effect. Hashtag Therapy Thursdays. Redefine TV. My brother, my sister, Tanisha, Jerry Flowers, thank you. This is a wonderful opportunity to be able to partner with uh, my brother, my sister for a season long of Therapy Thursdays. We're excited what God is doing and what God is doing is of a great magnitude. And this is where you need to be. Biblical therapy sessions. Every single Thursday. We are here tonight and I'm excited because God has a word. God has a message. God has something, a deposit for each of us, no matter where you are. I'm excited about today. Now, listen, I need this is a different energy. This is a different atmosphere. This is um, a different pedagogical um, pedagogy, a different approach to how we deliver the message. The goal is for me uh, when I'm before you all, I don't want to be real preachy. I want to have conversation with you today might appear that way. But moving forward, I got some ideas and do know this, that my brother and I were sometimes going to come at you from two totally different viewpoints and angles and approaches. And that is for the good, because we're doing everything possible to get you what you need so that you can be who you need to become, because we want to turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. Somebody say Therapy Thursdays, Therapy Thursdays, Therapy Thursdays. I'm excited uh, for today and for the opportunity to be able uh, to present what God has for you on today. Hmm. Let me pray with you. God, our Father, we say thank you. There's an opportunity to pause and to capture your presence and to hear from you. Remove all distractions. We submit to your authority. Make our blind spots visible and make the hard places in our heart fertile. We hear you today, God. We receive your word. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I have been counseling and coaching and teaching and preaching for more than two decades, and I'm grateful for that opportunity. And in these therapy sessions, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, occasionally uh, receiving. There's going to be sometimes I'm going to ask you to submit me some some questions, some very pertinent questions via email, and then I'll come on on one of my Thursdays, and then I will answer four or five questions in the span of 30 minutes or so, and we're going to dig into some real practical things that we're feeling and that we're going through right at this time. It's going to be various ways that we're going to come, and we're going to provide you a space to be able to receive. Amen. Amen, everybody. Amen. Listen, Redefine TV, we bless you. We thank you. Uh, we thank God for this platform. Um, there's something that's important to me that I want to go ahead and jump into. Something that's important to me when I think about 
How are we going to approach this message? What is it that you want to share with your people? And something that even now, as I'm uh, coaching and counseling and, and it's very fresh that I wanted to come and I want to share with you is that in our haste, you've heard this, in our haste, in our hurry, we often settle for less than we deserve, right? And in settling for less than what we deserve, we find ourselves settling for substitutes. It happens to the best of us. It happened to me. I settled for a substitute. Somebody type, no more substitutes. No more substitutes. So today, very clear, I want to be clear with you. I want to investigate the issues behind faulty decision-making and our choosing to subscribe, our choosing faulty subscription plans and situations that keeps us in relationships beyond the expiration date. Let me say it again. I want to investigate the issues behind our faulty decision-making and choosing faulty subscription plans that causes us to remain in situations and with people beyond the expiration date. So if I say it another way, I want to investigate how we mishandle relationships and sabotage potentially good relationships. Someone type, how to ruin a relationship. How to ruin. What are some ways in which we ruin relationships? What are some ways in which we sabotage potentially promising relationships? And I can easily give you the points, the one, two, three, and send you farewell, good evening, but I need you to lay your eyes on a passage of scripture and I need you to see a person who is a personal case study and I want us to investigate his life and I want us to, be, I want you to be able to see it with your own eyes, how we actually ruin promising relationships or we sabotage relationships all in all. Now, I need you to follow me though, because I want to look at Abraham and Isaac. Now, I know that Abraham is the uncle and I know oh, Abraham and Lot. I know that Abraham is the uncle and I know that Lot is the nephew, but there's there's a dynamic in their relationship that if we investigate and we look at it with spiritual eyes, we will be able to walk away with some principles on what how we ruin relationships, but also what we can do so that we do not ruin those relationships. Can I can I can I can I talk to you? Okay, pull up a seat. Some of y'all still standing. Some hey, listen, pull up a seat, pause wherever you are, because there's a word that I want to give you on today. And in order to truly understand and be able to receive this word, I need you to be able to look at Genesis chapter 12, 13, 14, and 15. Between those four chapters, on your own personal time, what you're going to be able to see is various levels of disobedience and various things that occur that ruin a promising relationship. I need you to I need you to follow me. Let me, let me help you. Let me help you. Because when you look at chapter chapter 12, what your discovery is, God appears to Abraham, right? And then God instructs him to do something specific. 
And when you really look at the text, he does part of what God tells him, but not all of what God tells him. Somebody write partial obedience is still disobedience. Oh, we're going to make this make sense because we want to discover how did I mess up that last relationship? How did I mess up that marriage? How, how can I do better? What is going on? What is the why of why I keep subscribing to faulty subscription plans? We're going to talk about that. And so in chapter 13, you'll discover that Abraham is insistent upon forcing his will Enforcing a relationship, something that God did not design for him. And we will discover we have a tendency to manipulate God's will so that it can meet our preference. And then we'll look at chapter 14 and what Abraham does, even after he separates, after he's supposed to separate, he separates from Lot. We'll discover that because he did not cut all ties, he was lured back into a relationship he should have left. And I'll tell you this, you will never be able to kick a habit if you keep the number to your supplier. All right, I'm going to sip to that. <laughs> You're going to discover this in chapter 14. He had left a relationship moved forward, but found himself lured back into a relationship which further teaches us you will never in your life be able to get over that thing, over that person, move forward. If you keep the number to your supplier, you cannot kick a habit as long as you keep the number to your supplier. All right, y'all right, not listening. So let me give this to you. Let me give this to you. Abraham and Lot represent how we get dating relationships wrong and even marriages in many cases. Now, I know this is an uncle and a nephew, but there are relationship principles woven throughout this text. If you can just look at what God is revealing to us, when we look at his life, when we look at their relationship, they show us what goes wrong? So I want you to type this in the comment section, write this in your notes, because I'm going to help deliver somebody on this evening. I'm going to help to provide you revelation. And so how we often get relationships wrong, how we often get dating wrong, how we often mess up even in our marriages. Number one, we disregard the promptings of God. I'm going to give you all the points. So I'm going to give you all the goods up front and then I'm going to try to make it make some sense on, on the back end. Number two, we crowd the other person's space or I say it this way. We don't allow the relationship to breathe. Well, what do you mean you don't allow the relationship to breathe or what do you mean that you crowd the other person's space? You're asking a great question. Let, let, let me phrase it this way. We don't create we don't clarify and we don't carry out healthy boundaries. Does that, does, is that, is, does that land better? One reason that the dating relationships usually falter, usually are ruined. The reason why is because we don't create, we don't clarify, and we don't carry out. We don't, we don't follow through with healthy boundaries. And as a result, we 
we, we don't allow the relationship, the other person to breathe. We can't see it for what it is because we're suffocated. Uh, another thing, another thing. Another reason why and how we ruin potentially good relationships or we just ruin dating relationships is because we overlook the red flags. Well, well Isaac, that is not... Um, that's not new. I've heard that before. I know that. Okay, but I want us to see it in the text. And I want to see it. I want I want us to see how subtle it is. We often overlook the red flags and we excuse the behavior of the other person. We get we become a lawyer when we should not be a lawyer. We would justify the reason why they do what they do and make it okay to be in a toxic situation. All right. Let me let me, let me give you another one. We put pressure on the relationship to work. One reason we ruin. Now I'm going to get I'm at the at the end of this message. This is why you have to stay engaged. I want to be able to share with you the why we do these things, though. So it's therapy Thursdays. I'm not preaching to you. I ain't trying to preach to you. I'm trying to give you the word and I'm trying to bring some biblical principles that can help us in our lives. Right. And so at the end, I want to answer. But what are some reasons why we do this? Well, what are some reasons that we overlook red flags? What are some reasons that we disregard the promptings of God? What are the reasons that we crowd the space of the other person? We suffocate the relationship. We don't create boundaries for ourselves and we don't respect the boundaries of the other person. Right. But I, I need to let you know that we we one reason. Another reason. Number four is that we put pressure on the relationship, constant pressure on the relationship to work. The reason why that relationship was ruined. And it ruined was because you knew in the bottom of your heart that all you were constantly were doing was putting pressure on it to work. You were trying to prove to your ex that you are not toxic. You were trying to prove to your mom that you can make it work. You didn't want this divorce to happen because your parents divorced. And so you kept trying to force it and force it. And you knew that relationship was over before you even said, I do. You put constant pressure on yourself and the other person and you force it to work. And number five, we often date and marry to fill a void. Now, y'all can put it in the comment section. Yeah, I, I know that this is a word to help. But this is therapy Thursday, so it's a different tone. It's a different tenor. I want, I want to give it to you because when we look at Abraham and Isaac, there is something absolutely powerful with or Abraham and Lot. Stop saying Isaac. Abraham and Lot. There is something powerful with Abraham as into why he behaves the way that he behaves. God revealed it to me. And when he revealed it to me, it was an aha moment. This is why disregarded the promptings of God, was willing to force something, was willing to to overlook red flags like like and, and because he's trying to fill a void. What void is he trying to fill? So if you go with me to Genesis chapter 12, right? And I know I get just a few minutes, but Genesis chapter 12, I want you to see it. The Bible says in verse one, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, leave your country, leave your relatives, leave your father's family and go to a land that I will show you. Now, there's so many levels of revelation here that can help us. But he says, I need you. He gives him instructions. I need you to leave where you are, leave all of your family, leave all of your relatives and take only what belongs to you. 
and I'm going to send you somewhere, but I'm not telling you exactly where I'm sending you. I first need you to walk and every step you make, I'm going to reveal. But you have to walk in order to get the revelation. You can't get the revelation before you start walking. I'm talking of a whole nother message. You got it. In order to see, you got to walk. You got to walk and then you will see. You don't get to get the answer until you start walking. Go to a place that I, I need you to leave here and then I will show you. Then he, then he encourages him. He says, I will, I will make you into a great nation. I will. Not now. But in the future, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, make you famous. I will cause you to bless others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. And all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. This is all future tense. But I just need you to get up and I need you to leave. And this is what the text says in verse 4. And this opens it up for our conversation on today. So Abraham departed. And did as God instructed. Hallelujah. But watch this. This is where I need you to focus on. The Bible says, and Lot went with him. Now, looking on the surface, you can easily hear and see it says that he obeyed everything God said. But when you look at the text, the Bible says, and Lot went with him. So the writer wants us to know that a significant thing just happened. He did what God told him to do. He got up and left and he took everything that belonged to him. But if Lot belonged to him, then he wouldn't have to specify that Lot went with him. So he's doing what God told him to do, but he's also inviting someone into a season that God didn't approve of. And the problem for many of us, we're trying to bring, we're trying to pull, we're trying to tug, we're trying to wrap up and bind, and we're trying to carry people into a place that God told us to go to, but he never told that person to go with you. And so I'm going to bring Lot with me. Although you said, leave my relatives and all of my father's family, leave them. I'm going to still bring him. You, you didn't mean everybody. You didn't mean this person. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to manipulate your will to meet my expectations. We do it all the time in subtle ways. Somebody type and lot went with them. Who is your lot? What is your lot? What is it that you're carrying from one relationship to another, from one divorce or from one marriage to another, from one situation to another? What is your lot? How did I ruin that relationship? How did I ruin that job opportunity? How did I ruin that marriage? Because there's probably a lot walking with you that God never said take with you. Keep on, Isaac. Keep on. You only get but a few minutes. You can't. You got to talk to him. You got to talk to him. So here's another thing. The Bible says this is going to reveal he's 75 years old, though. He's 75 years old when this happens. So. This is important. This is important. This is important. Relationship breakdown usually begins where our obedience to God's voice ends. That relationship started breaking down the very moment you decided to silence the voice of God. That relationship broke down the very moment you decided you're going to do some of what God told you and a little bit of what you want to. It's a battle of wills. God, I'll do your will and I'll bring a little bit of mine. A little uh, 
partial obedience at the end of the day is still disobedience. The Bible says in chapter 12 that Lot went with him. And what's important is when you go to chapter 13, verse one, you want you want to know what it says. Let me read it to you. And Abraham went up from Egypt, went up from Egypt and his wife and all that he had. And the Bible says, and Lot went with him to the south. And so they go down to Egypt and there is a famine in all of the land. And the entire time he's carrying extra weight. He's carrying baggage. He's carrying someone and something that God never said, take with you. And the problem is everywhere you're going and everywhere God is trying to send you, you're taking people with you that God never said they need to come with you. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 Are y'all? All right. All right. Let me, let me, let me try to make it a little more plain. You look at, at verse five. In chapter 13, look at your Bible. Somebody type therapy Thursdays, therapy Thursdays. What's your lot? What's your lot? Is there a lot? There's always a lot. Where is the lot? Who is the lot? What is the lot? Verse five, it says, Lot also went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. Meaning that Lot is still walking with Abraham and Lot has his own purpose, his own own calling, his own baggage, his own possessions, his own perspective, and yet he's trying to carry Lot with him. Lot also went with Abram, had flock, herd, tents, and now the Lord was not able, and oh, I'm not going to get to that. I'm, I'm going to get to that just a moment. I'm going to get to that just a moment. Yeah, do, do, do y'all see this? Lot was with him, but Lot wasn't supposed to be. I'm going to do something powerful through you. I'm talking to somebody. But in order for me to do that through you and for you, I need you to obey what I'm telling you. You don't fully understand and see it. But one reason is because you're carrying baggage that you don't need to be carrying. So, so we overlook red flags. Somebody say red flags. Those flags are red. Put a red flag in the comment section. Put a red flag in the comment section. We overlook red flags. So watch this. Watch this. So he carries somebody with him into a season that he should not be carrying them into. Right. And so look at what happens. So now in chapter 13, verse five, this is what it says. Lot also went with them had all these things. But then it says, but the land was not able to support Lot and Abram. Did y'all, did y'all see that? The land was not able to support the both of them. I'm carrying you into a season that does not belong to you. You're not my assignment. I can't save you, but I got you with me. But where we are, it's not enough room for both of us to coexist. And many of us have people in our lives and the both of you, you know, you cannot even coexist under the same roof in the same atmosphere. And so the Bible says that they were that the land was not able to support them so that they could not even live together. But watch this. For their possessions were so great, they could not dwell together. And verse seven, this is where this is powerful. It says, and there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram and then the herdsmen of Lot, meaning that day in and day out, there was arguing, there was conflict, there was dissension, there was division. It was arguing, there was conflict, there was division, there was dissension. 
there was dissension, there was division, there was conflict among the people of Lot and the people of Abraham day in and day out. And yet they're trying to force a relationship to happen when God told you, I'm sending you somewhere, but you need to go by yourself. And there's a reason why I need you to trust me and go by yourself and not try to bring and force and try to manipulate people into a season that does not belong to him because it can't hold the both of you. It's too small for the both of you to exist. And what I need to do in you, you need to build alone. You need to build what you have. And you're trying to bring somebody into a space that you're claustrophobic. You can't fit. Look at the text. It says that they could not coexist. And in verse eight, so Abraham said to Lot, please let there be no more arguing between you and me, no more conflict. We are relatives. Yeah, the relatives that God told you to leave behind. Somebody type, how to ruin a relationship. They overlooked day in and day out, day in the fighting. You know good and well that's toxic behavior. You know good and well every time, every day, all of that dissension, all of that conflict, all of that name calling, all of that demeaning, all, all of the, every day, all this is happening. They couldn't even live together. It wasn't enough, enough room for them. But for so long, they overlooked that to the point where he finally addressed it. Somebody say, address the red flags. All right. They, they, they were not able I mean, I'm giving you, I gave you this. They didn't create, clarify, or carry out healthy boundaries. But in that same text, I got to read this to you because the revelation that God has for you requires me to be able to give this to you so you can see the aha moment, right? So let me, let me read this to you. The same text, look at what happens. They can't coexist. He's finally tired. Abram is finally tired of being in this relationship because it stresses him out. We've been arguing. It's conflict. There's just no happiness. I have to speak up. And this is what he says. He says to Lot, the whole countryside, chapter 13 of Genesis, verse 9, the whole countryside is open. Look, 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 look. He says, Lot, look, turn around. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice. Any section of the land you want to go, and we will separate. Mm, mm, mm. We could talk about that word separate. He says, I need you to look and, 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 and see all the land as possible because you trying to you you walking with me and there's so much room out there, but I got you carry with me because I need you. I, no, no, I need you to turn around. Look, where do you want to go? This is what he says. If you want the land to the left, I'll take the land to the right. If you prefer to land to the right, I'll go to the left because we got to separate. We got if if I'm going to get my sanity, I need to go my separate way. We we need to separate. Lot took a Lot took a long look. Verse 10, Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley. And it says the whole area is well watered. And this is what he said. This is what he said. Lot chose for himself. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flock, his servants, and parted company with his uncle Abram. Watch this. Abraham had the audacity, he had the courage to determine and decide 
to create boundaries. One of your greatest issues is that your no is broken. One of your greatest issues is that you don't know how to to create boundaries for your own self and for the people in and around you. Hey, you know what? Lot, I'm going to need boundaries. I'm going to need to establish some boundaries in my life. Go your way. I go my way. Let's separate. Somebody said you got to separate. We put constant pressure. I'm I'm moving along because I need to get to your point that you're asking, why do we do these things? We put constant pressure on relationships to work. And we often date and marry, not for purpose, not because God breathed on it, not because God spoke and told us now it's time this should work, but because there's a void that we're trying to fill. But the question you're asking is, why do we do these things? Why do we force people into our lives? Why do we carry people into our lives? Why do we try to make things work when we know good and well this isn't working? Therapy Thursdays. I want you to write this down. I want you to write three things down and I want to unravel it. Number one, impatience. I'm going to make it make sense. Number two, the lack of clarity. And number three, the need for control. Therapy Thursdays. Reasons, the root, the reasons why we do the things that we do. There's a couple I can talk about fear. You know, I can talk about um, a couple of other things, um, but I'm not going to talk. I can talk about fear and doubt and I can talk about spiritual immaturity, but we can move that for another day in another context. But if there's three things I can give you, I'll give you impatience, the lack of clarity and the need for control. In my counseling, in my coaching and in my own personal life. Thing three things that often serve as culprits as to why we have relational breakdown, why we choose wrong, why we overstay. Impatience, not just impatience, but the lack of clarity and the need to be in control. Because losing control is just counter, uh, counter-cultural. And so when I say impatience, watch this. What most people overlook about Abram in this text and in this context is that he was 75 years old when God first appeared to him. And 75 years old when God made the promises to him. And the tension with that is he had not had a child. 75 years old, when his son Isaac had a child, his son Isaac was 60 years old. Isaac was 60 years old when he gave birth, when his wife gave birth to Esau and Jacob. Abram was 75 years old, had not had a son. He's 75 years old. Him and his wife are infertile. They have not had children. And we understand by their future narrative that one of the things for them is that they had an issue with giving birth to a child. 
And so that was one of their things that they wrestled with. But you need to understand that tension didn't just happen in chapter 15 and 16. That happened in chapter 13 and chapter 12 and 13 when God appeared to him and he's 75 years old. He already has been wrestling with the fact that I don't have a child. I don't have a son. And yet God is calling me to do something and I have a void in my life. Now watch this. He was in a season of infertility and there was a void that he needed to be that needed to be filled. And we learn from chapter 15, when he's having a conversation with God, he's reminding God, I don't have a child. And now I'm going to have to rely on a servant to give birth. And I really, and I've always wanted a child. There is a void. There is a desperation. And many times when we're desperate, we make desperate decisions. And so he wanted a child so badly that he was willing to remain in a toxic relationship just to get the void in his life filled. Teach Isaac, share Isaac, help the people. He wanted a void filled so bad. He was willing to remain connected to Lot. He was willing to disobey and partially obey God. He was willing to overlook red flags. He was willing to overstay. He was willing to carry baggage all because he really wanted a child. Could it be? And what God revealed to me was that one of the issues in this was the fact that he wanted a child and Lot filled that void for him. You wanted something so badly and that person that you started talking to filled the void that daddy left behind, filled the void that mama left behind, filled a void. And so when they talked to you the way they talked to you, when they showed up in the way that you've never had anybody in your life show up before, then all of a sudden you put them in a position that they were never designed and designated to occupy. Lot was not called to be Abram's son, Lot was called to be Abram's nephew. That person who you tried to marry, that person who you tried to make your boo was not necessarily called to be your boo, not called to be your spouse. Maybe they were called to be your co-worker. Maybe they were called to be a friend or maybe they were called to be a seasonal supporter to help you in a specific time in your life. Not necessarily what you tried to make it be because I forced it. How did I ruin the relationship? Somebody type impatience, impatience. If you don't deal with your void, your void will deal with you. I'm trying to help somebody on a therapy Thursdays. I know I'm taking your time, but I just need to make it make sense. And so as I begin to wrap up, I, I got to give you a couple of things. I got to give you a couple of things. When we look at this, when we look at this, when we look at this, when we look at impatience, impatience would do to you what it did to Abraham. Abraham settled for a substitute. Lot was never Isaac. Lot was a substitute Isaac. I wanted a son so bad, I was willing to settle for a lot, not an Isaac. When you're impatient and the spirit of impatience is upon your life, you will find yourself settling for substitutes. Not only is it that, but when impatience is something that you allow to ruin you, 
Not only will you settle for substitutes, but you will arrive to your destiny in the wrong version of you, with the wrong version of you. You will arrive to a relationship. You arrive to a season underdeveloped. You arrive with a wrong version of you. In every season that God sends you into, he sends you into a new, he expects a new version of self, a new version of you. And many times when we're impatient, we ask for something before we're ready for something. We move before we should. And because we're impatient, we're moving in haste. You enter into a time, you enter into a relationship, you enter into a marriage with the same you from last year, the same you from five years ago. You're not ready in chapter two, Abram, for an Isaac that comes later on. But yet you try to bring a lot and now you're being disobedient. Now you don't even know what I'm telling you to do and where I'm calling and what I'm trying to do in your life because you are impatient. Somebody say, I bind that spirit in the name of Jesus. Mm. So it's not just impatient. Let me give you the two other ones. And this, this, this unreal is because because one of the issues for him was that he had a void. He wanted a son. And you can want a child. You can want marriage. You can want somebody to love you. You can want that nice split level home. You can want, you know, all of the images you see on social media so badly that it begins to feel you begin to do desperate things to fill voids, to get that thing that you're not even ready for. Impatient. But the second thing is a lack of clarity. Watch this. Watch this. Let me bless you. The lack of clarity. I can't see. The lack of clarity. When we look at Abram, he's in the process of trying to understand what's God's will for his life. God shows up in chapter 12 for the first time in his life and sends him to go somewhere. He's in the process of trying to discover what God is asking him to do. He's not fully clear on what he needs to be doing because God hadn't given him the full vision. Somebody say the lack of clarity. It's cloudy. The vision is cloudy. Watch this. Watch this. And so the reason that God may have told him not to bring any other distractions with you is because I need to show you first what I have for you. I need to show you what I need you to do before you bring any more people. And some of us are in seasons with people who should not be. And God is saying, I can't reveal to you because you got too many things going on. But look. How do I know Abraham didn't have clarity? That's the question. How do you know? He, uh, not only do we look at chapter 12, but look at chapter 13 and look at what happens. The moment Abraham chooses to separate from Isaac, I mean from Lot, look at what happens. You got to read the text so you can see the revelation. The moment he makes the decision, I'm going to separate from the people in my life that are keeping me from being able to hear and to see clearly, look at what God does. It says in verse 14 in chapter 13, and the Lord said to Abram, after, somebody type after, the Bible says, and the Lord spoke to Abram, after, not before, and not during, after Lot had separated from him. God spoke after you decided to be obedient. Soon as Lot separated from Abraham, God spoke. Lift your eyes now and look to the place where you are. Lift your eyes. 
I'm about to give you revelation. I'm about to give you sight, Abram. I'm about to give you what I couldn't give you when you had all the people or that person in your life occupying all of your mental capacity, all of your mental space, trying to force a relationship. Your heart needs to be rehabbed. Your mind is cloudy. I need you to separate so that I can begin to reveal to you the things that I have for you because you can't do what I need you to do as long as you don't have clarity. And when you have a lack of clarity, this is the reason why you stay in seasons with people that you don't need to stay because you don't know who and what you need to be doing. You don't have clarity and you need clarity. This what he says lift your eyes now look to where you are north south east west for all the land which you see i'm going to give to you and your descendants so everything he was saying in chapter 12 he's now beginning to say in chapter he's beginning to, to reveal in chapter 13 he said it in chapter 12 but he's now revealing the plan he's giving clarity to abraham but not until he separates and lets go of the people and the things that he needs to that it gets better and I will make you descendants, your descendants dust as, as numerous as the dust of the earth, so that nobody can uh, can count it and, and arise. He says in verse 17, walk in the land through its length and width, for I give it to you. God did not reveal the fullness of the promise to Abraham until he released what he needed to release. He did not have clarity. And many times when you lack clarity, it will cause you to go down a street that you're not supposed to go down. It will cause you to say yes to an assignment that's not even your assignment. It will cause you to say, yes, I do to someone who was never created for you and God never spoke to you, but it felt good. Just because it felt good doesn't mean it was good for you. And so when you look at the text, the lack of clarity because he did not get clarity until he released. God revealed when he released. Somebody say reveal, release. God, the degree, let me say it this way. The degree to which you're willing to release that thing, God is willing to reveal. The degree to which you're willing to release is the, is the degree that God is willing to reveal. God does not reveal until he releases. God does not reveal until you release the thing that the, the, the bitterness, the anger, the rejection, the fear of abandonment, the doubt, the need for control, the hurt. Until you release it, God can't reveal. When I release it, then when you release it, then God reveals. God, it says, after he released lot, God revealed the will, which meant that he did not have that information. He did not have that insight. He did not have that knowledge prior to releasing. Ah, that is the issue. Impatience, the lack of clarity, and the need to be in control. The need to be in control. Let me wrap this up for you because my time is already gone. The need to be in control. In chapter 14, this is after Abram released, cut ties, let Lot go where Lot goes. I'm going to go where I'm going to go. But let me help somebody real quick. When I told you before in the message, you can't kick the habit if you keep the number to the supplier. Something happens in chapter 14 
in verse 11, 12, and then I, I'll read that and then I'll just let you know what it says because I've already over, oh, oh, my, my time is already up. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took a lot. We're talking about the, the there's a war going on. Abram's brother, his, his son who dwelt in Sodom and his goods. So Lot is somewhere in Sodom and Gomorrah in a place he doesn't need to be, causing up a ruckus that he doesn't need to cause up. Mm, come on, come on. Because sometimes those people, they just, they bring a lot of unnecessary drama. He's caught up in some drama. And now he's taken, and now that he's taken captive, some of the servants of, of, of Lot now break free and go and find Abram in chapter 14. And when they find Abram, they go and say, hey, your nephew has been captured. We need your help. This is what happens in verse 14. Now, when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, this is what Abram does. Instead of letting Lot be, I need to save him. Your problem is you're trying to save people who don't need to be saved. The Bible says he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house. He puts their lives in danger, fights a battle that doesn't belong to him because I need to save this person. This person needs me. Your problem is you're trying to be God. I see it time and time again. You feel like if you don't help that person, they're not going to receive the help. They, they need you. You are not God, Abram. Lot is not anybody you need to save because you're trying to save people who don't want to be saved. And they, they went in pursuit he divided the forces by night and all of the servants attacked and pursued uh, Hoba, which is north of Damascus. And they brought back all the goods and also brought back Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. I separated from you, but somehow, someway, I'm back in relationship with you. I'm back in relationship with you because I was accessible to you. And your problem is you can make an excuse why you still Facebook friends, social media friends and why you still got the number and why you still go see the parent because of the, of your ex and why you still remain in contact. You got all of the reasons why. But because you're so accessible, that's why lots of people knew how to find you. And now that he's in trouble, I'm going to go save the day and I'm going to put other people's lives in danger because I need to fight a battle that never belonged to me. How did I ruin that relationship? Because I needed to be in control. I needed to be needed. And because I needed to be needed, whenever I was needed, I would do whatever it took to make it happen because I need to be God and I need to fill the void and patient lack of clarity and the need to be in control. They won the battle, but I feel like they lost the war because there were people in Abraham's camp who got injured. They got injured fighting a battle that wasn't Abraham's to fight. And whenever you have to injure yourself to save someone else, that relationship already expired. You can't save everybody. You just can't. You ruin the relationship because of impatience, a lack of clarity, and a need to be in control.
Because where there is patience, it will give room to clarity. And where there is clarity, it gives power to release control. Because when I know what I should be doing and I know who God has called me to be and where God is sending me, then I know I can't get there on my own and I know I have to submit and I know that I have to release. But if I'm impatient and I need it now and I need this void field because I've reached this age, my biological clock is already up and people are already telling me I need to be married and I need to have children. If I'm impatient and if I don't have clarity and if I need to be in control, these are three things that often impacts and causes us to ruin relationships. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your power. Thank you for this day. I thank you, God, for how your word can be divided among millions of people and to be applied a million different ways. So Holy Spirit, everyone who hears this message today, who hears this message on replay, I pray that you speak to them today, tomorrow, and in times in the future. That God, that this word speaks to them in the way that they need to be spoken and that they're able to receive it. God, we bless you for your power. We thank you for your grace. Forgive us. We repent of our disobedience. Let your grace surpass all understanding and let it abound much more in our lives. We submit to thee. We want to be patient. And God, we release the things that are, we're holding on to and that we have been holding on to so that God, you can reveal what you desire to reveal to us. And anything in my life that I'm trying to control, help me to let go. Help me to let go. We give you control. We give you authority. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Tanisha. Thank you, Jerry. Um, we're looking forward to next week and hearing from our brother. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Lord Shatari, we bless you. We thank you. We love you. We appreciate you for how you sow into uh, this ministry, Redefine TV. We can only do what we do because of your generosity. Y'all have a good day. We thank you.